Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the word of the Lord, folks. Lord Jesus, would you have the supremacy in this place today. We pray for your presence to be near us and to touch our hearts. Make this most wondrous, wondrous story alive in us today. Amen. Now, I have, I have never preached before with the gentle hum of a chocolate fountain. So I, d- I actually don't know what effect that's going to have on my preaching whether it's going to make it a lot longer or a lot shorter, whether I actually just nod off. It's in the key of C. Is that C? Okay. But we'll see. And uh, for those who are patient, for those children whose attention is absolutely perfect this morning, good things are coming to you. So that is my manipulative threat, implicit threat. I want to begin with a, a story that I came across earlier this month. I actually read it in the newspaper, December the 9th. And it's a story about this man, Judge Craig Mitchell. He's the chap, if you can see the picture, he's the chap in the middle, I presume, there with his family, although I am making a guess there. And just reading from the story about Craig Mitchell, this is what we read. Dawn has not yet broken in Los Angeles. As a group of about 50 runners gather on a street corner in Skid Row, the notorious neighborhood home to thousands of the city's homeless population. Under a full moon and surrounded by tents, sleeping bags and shopping carts, the joggers stretch and warm up shortly before 6 a.m. on a chilly Southern California morning, preparing for a five-mile run through the sprawling downtown area. In one of LA's most deprived neighborhoods, the Skid Row Running Club offers hope and serves a vital community resource, helping its members overcome drug and alcohol problems. Among the joggers gathered are police officers, people in recovery, and a well-known superior court judge who established the club a decade ago. When not on the bench... Judge Craig Mitchell will likely be found on a run. He wears his running shorts and shoes under his robes 
And during the 90-minute lunch break, squeezes seven-mile jogs in. Mitchell, a former school teacher and prosecutor who began running age 40 after being asked by his former boss to join a relay team, responded by establishing the Skid Row Running Club. He says this, I quote, I knew how important running was to my own mental and physical well-being. I said, well, let me see if I can start a running club. And so 11 years ago, two to three guys would come out with me, and this is where we are today. This running club was established by the judge in order to help people who needed help. He, somebody who sat on a bench bringing law and order to LA and the surrounding area, stepped down off the bench into the middle of the mess of Skid Row and began to run with men and women and through that led them out of addiction and into recovery. It is a powerful story and a picture, a small picture of what God in Christ has done for us. Stepping out of this position of power and privilege and from this, literally from this judgment seat and stepping into the mess of our lives. It's a powerful picture, I think, of what God in Christ has done for us. Now, It teaches us, I think, something about the incarnation. What it means for God to become a man. What what it means for God to become a baby in Jesus Christ. And what we see in Luke's gospel, that text that Amy read at the beginning of the service, is in the earliest accounts, we see that people, shepherds in this case, wise men and others, and in fact the earliest disciples of Jesus were led not only to come to Jesus, but to bow down before Jesus and to worship him. And one of the things that happens in the, uh, in the first few hundred years is that practice of worshipping Jesus is put into a doctrine. It's codified. And Christians come up with patterns of worship. They say liturgies like this. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. God from God, light from light, True God from true God, begotten, not made. Here's the key, the key line for this morning. Of one being with the Father. Jesus, the boy who the shepherds come to worship, the boy who we celebrate this morning, wasn't just a boy. The wonder and the mystery of Christmas is that the one who stepped off the bench, so to speak, was not just a human, but was God himself, fully God, And fully human, as Nicaea puts it, the same substance as the Father. This is the wonder and the mystery of Christmas. God in flesh. You know, every single Christmas as I even begin to prepare my heart to talk to people about this, it just catches me again. I think it's one of those truths that you can't fully rationalize. It's, it is literally bigger than a mind can conceive. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. But this truth is the fundamental Christian truth. This is the most extraordinary thing. It's the hinge point of history. And it makes all the difference. It made all the difference to those shepherds. It made all the difference to those early Christians. It is the reason they were willing to suffer and die. And it still makes all the difference to you and I today. That God would come and become 
like us. He would become one of us. He would step off that bench and enter into the mess and misery of human existence. And it means three things. And here is your three-point sermon. I know this is why you came to church. And because there are children around, and because of the chocolate fountain, around which I have constructed this entire sermon, I've got some props. The first thing it means, the first thing it means, that Jesus is both God and man. It means that Jesus is a window. I thank you. This is a window, not just any window, folks. This was taken from a skip outside this very church. This is one of the original windows from the Neil's Auction House. It's very, it's very precious to me. I haven't ever washed it, as you can see. But Jesus is a window. He is a window. What might that mean? Children, what might it mean that Jesus is a window? What do you do through a window? You look absolutely right, Luca Wilson. You can be uh, among, amongst the first in the chocolate fountain. Jesus is a window. He is the one, because he is fully God, Jesus is the one through whom we look to see God. He is, as Colossians has it, the image of the invisible God. God was not visible to us, and yet in Christ, God becomes visible. He's the image. That word in the original language in which the, the Bible was written is akon, which is the word from which we get the word icon. Jesus is an icon. He's a picture, a representation, but not just a, a, a generalized representation. He is a specific, fully uh, accurate representation of the reality and inner working of God. He is God in flesh. This means that we as human beings will not die wondering what God is like. Because God has bridged, bridged the unbridgeable gap between humanity and himself. And that gap could only be bridged from the God side. But in Christ, God has bridged that gap. He is the image of the invisible God. He is a window. He's a window. Second prop. This is another form of glass, one with which many of you this morning were acquainted. What is it, folks? It is a mirror, that's right. What do you do with a mirror, children? Yes, you look into it, and what do you see? You see yourself. All right, how is, how is Jesus a mirror? Well, again, that uh, text in Colossians says he's the image of the invisible God. He's a, he's a window. He is the firstborn of all creation. The word for firstborn is a word, prototokos. It is the word from which we get the word prototype. Prototype. A prototype, for those of you who know, who are into cars or similar things, is an advanced sign of what all the others will one day look like. That's what it means that Jesus is the mirror. We look into Jesus and we see what we one day will be. Jesus is the true and full human. Yes, he's fully God, but he's also fully like us. And that means when we look at Christ, we see our destiny. We see what you and I will one day be. And that is a, a source of immense hope. 
That this boy in a manger who would become the one who would die for our sins, be raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, who is now ruling at the right hand of the Father, he's the one who we will one day fully resemble in a very us-like way. We are by degrees, as Paul has it, being transformed into his image day by day. Glory by glory, as we contemplate his glory, so we're becoming more like him, and one day we will appear before him, and we will be fully, we will know him fully, even now as we're fully known. So he is a, yes, thank you, Amy. Gold star for you. He is a mirror, and finally, because we have it available, and for no other reason, no, it's also true, he is a fountain. Thank you very much. Could have gone for well, but it is a chocolate fountain after all. He is a fountain. I love Psalm 36, verse 9. With you or in you is the fountain of life. In you, with you is the fountain of life. Jesus is the fountain of life. Because he is the window into God, because he's the one through whom we see the fullness, the inner identity of God, the most accurate, perfect representation of God, and because he is a window through whom we see ourselves as he is remaking and redeeming us, so he's a fountain. He is not just a a gateway into life, he is the gateway into life. And in him we find life, and life in all its abundance. So resembled here by the chocolate, which will probably not bring you life but a sugar low, which will send you crashing just before lunch. But you get the idea. In Christ, God does something even more powerful than that thing that Judge Mitchell did, but he does it for the same reason. He does it to release people who are enslaved into life. And he does it because this is the kind of God who is. What a joyful gift. What an amazing thing today to enjoy the window, to look into the mirror, and to taste the sweetness of the chocolate. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for us as we close, and then we're going to respond in worship. And as we do, I'd like to involve the children first, Uh, potentially with some kind of supervision. You know your children. Do they need supervision? If the answer is yes, you're coming. If you trust them, then on your head be it. And I'm going to invite the children first to come. Now, if there are marshmallows left over, and you would like to taste the sweet gift, which is Jesus Christ, uh, then I'm going to invite you. I'm not inviting you yet, folks. And an orderly line will be, f- will be formed. And Amy will oversee it. But why don't we close our eyes in prayer? Our Father God, with the gentle hum of a chocolate fountain accompanying this morning's worship, we simply thank you that you have come near to us. Father, thank you that you're not the kind of God to leave us guessing, wondering in the darkness what you might be like, but in Christ you've come to us. You've become one with us and one of us. I pray today, Jesus, be that window for us. 
Allow us to see a new vision of who you are. Open eyes today. Open eyes. Holy Spirit, now I invite you to open the eyes of our hearts that we might see you. Enlighten us. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, to give us a vision not just of who you are, but of who you are making us, of what we truly are as human beings. And I pray, Jesus, today that you would be a source of life within us. Fill us with your spirit. Bring new life to us. And just before I invite uh, the children to form a queue, by Amy. See what I did there. I want to invite you, if you want Jesus to, to be a source of life for you, in your life, from within your heart, I'm going to invite you just to pray a simple prayer with me. You can pray this under your breath. You may be praying this for the thousandth time or for the first time today. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for coming near to me. Thank you for showing me what God is like. Thank you for showing me that God is love, that God is mercy, that God is healing, that God is a good Abba Father who welcomes me to sit with him, to be healed. Thank you that you've shown me who I'm becoming. Thank you for forgiving my sins, healing my diseases. Thank you for placing a crown on my head and giving me a place in your family. Thank you for giving me destiny and a purpose. Fill me with your spirit this morning. Become for me a fountain and source of new life by your Holy Spirit. Amen.